Hello, welcome to another episode of Analyzing Mormonism. This is episode 27. So back in November, Jen Camp and I got together and we did an episode on the Equal Rights Amendment and women's rights. And that was, I had so much fun doing that. It, it's just, it was just so good. Again, I will only be sharing the audio here. So if you really want to go see our sources and our slides and the quotes, go, please go to her YouTube channel and view it there. Hey everyone, welcome to our Truth Be Told podcast. I'm Jen Camp. Today is another live for us. We are super excited to um, have Julia back from Analyzing Mormonism. Um, she is doing church history um, and truth claims. Uh, we're doing it from a woman's point of view, which is hard to find here in the post-Mormon podcast space. So I am super thankful for her and um, I'm so excited about what we put together for you today um, about the Equal Rights Amendment for Women and um, the movement and what took place within the LDS Church at the same time. And so we are so excited for today. So I am going to go ahead and bring Julia on now. How are you, Julia? Good. How are you? <laughs> good. Good, good. You ready? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're like, our slides for today are like crazy um, long. So we're going to, uh, but so it was hard to pick and choose what to put into them. So mm -hmm. I'll let, I'll let Julia explain a little bit about um, kind of her process and what we'll talk about a little bit today. So I'm going to turn the time, turn the time over. I feel like I'm in church. I'm going to turn the time over to Julia now. So take yeah. it away. Yeah. So one thing I don't want to do is there is so much information and there are so many slides that I don't want to just have me talk the whole time. So like, feel free to just jump in whenever, like, and give your two cents or whatever. Um, so with this, with the equal rights and the Mormon church, there is so much to talk about. Like I listened to so many podcasts, I read books and like did a lot of research that like, there's no way you can fit it all in to an hour or two hours. There's just no way. Yeah. So like, there's going to be people that there's going to be people that I pass over. There's going to be information that I pass over, like big characters in the ERA history that I can't talk about. So, so I apologize to all those sources and people, so, but we, <laughs> we're going to do our best. <laughs> we are. Yeah. We're going to do our best here. All right. So I'll um, bring up the slides. You just tell me when to switch or what to do here, Julia. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> so again, so this is sort of a brief history of the ERA, but also of women and before the ERA even was written. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Elizabeth Cady Stan, so I didn't consider myself a feminist. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I believe that women need rights and like, you know, that women are just as equal as men. But mm -hmm. like, I feel like I couldn't take on the title of feminist until I knew who these women were and knew more yeah. about it. And so like, mm -hmm. these women that I'm about to talk about are are just a few of the most important women mm -hmm. in our history. So this is Elizabeth Cady Stan. And she was born in New York, which I think is interesting because Joseph, all big people come out of New York, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But she joined an anti-slavery movement and attended the this world's anti-slavery convention while on her honeymoon, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, she um, so she was one of the ones that did that. Oh, if you change the next slide. Um, so she wrote this Declaration of Sentiments, which is kind of mirroring off the Declaration of Independence talking about women's struggles and things. And it's the document enumerated the um, limited legal rights of women 
their restricted opportunities for education and the curbs on women's public involvement. So just really important. And then Susan B. Anthony is one, um, I knew I heard of her, but I hadn't heard of Elizabeth Cady Stan. Mm, but Susan was I, born, yeah. Yeah. Susan was born to the Quaker family in, the 18, in 1820. Um, again, around where Joseph Smith said he saw the God. <laughs> so um, she was born in Massachusetts, but her home was in Rochester, New York, which again, small world. Um, yeah. She was inspired. Yeah. She was inspired by the Quaker belief that everyone is equal in the eyes of God, which it says that in the scriptures. Um, mm -hmm. She collected anti-slavery petitions at the age of 17. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And then yeah. she met Elizabeth Cady Stan in 1851 and together they joined forces and then started, if you switch the next slide. Yeah. They started together the National Women's Suffrage Association. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that they notice is that, so people say that we don't need the Equal Rights Amendment because um, Amendment 14 and 15 should make that make us equal. Mm -hmm. But they realize the wording isn't clear. And so that doesn't actually give us the rights that they should. So they got really upset and then they formed this association. And then one thing that I thought was really interesting is that about Susan B. Anthony in 1872, she voted and got arrested. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was like really cool. Of yeah. Her so I, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and so one thing that I thought was really interesting, and so I was reading this book called Pedestals and Podiums, mm -hmm. and they talk about this um, in the National Women's Suffrage Association. Um, she says, as president of the group, Elizabeth Cady Stan refused to exclude Mormon women, Black women, and Indian women. And I just mm -hmm. thought that was really interesting because these Mormon women were all for women's voting rights and women's rights. Like in this time period, they were all mm -hmm. for it. So yeah. I just, they were, we were big enough to be included in with black women and Indian women. So like, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I did yeah. too. I, I didn't realize at the time either how involved the Mormon women were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was eye-opening to me too, as yeah. I was looking and studying. Um, so this was another, this is an example of the 14th amendment falling short of everything, falling mm -hmm. short of giving us rights as women. And so the 14th amendment states that no state, let me get, let me get the wording right that no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within the jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. But in this case, let's see if I can get it right, N. Ray Lockwood, I don't know how to exactly say that. But mm -hmm. with this case, she was trying to, to be a judge in this Supreme Court. She was just trying to be, she was trying to work there and they wouldn't let her. And so they wouldn't let her because they didn't deem her as a woman, as a person. And that's what this court case did. But it was reversed in 1971 in Reed versus Reed. They they said no person means male or female. So I just thought mm -hmm. that. So like because the language isn't so clear because they can skirt around it. We need the mm -hmm. Equal Rights Amendment or one of the reasons mm -hmm. why we need the Equal Rights Amendment. OK, so another thing that I learned about. So hang on. Let me say this, too. I am not right. um, an expert in this at all. In fact, just the last 30 days, I've been like cramming and like trying to learn as much as I can. <laughs> mm -hmm. So one of the things that I learned is about the protectionists. So in in the in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, there was all these laws that came out to protect women in the workforce and in general. And so um, they made laws that restricted where women can work, the amount of hours that they can work and the places that they can work. And a lot of them. Let me read it because it's really I think this is really important. Um, this is in the same book, Pedestals and Podiums. She says, there was a special concern about potential injury to a woman's reproductive reproductive capacity. Women's health had to be safeguarded or the human race itself would be damaged. 
So I think that to me, that means that, that women are valued for their ability to be a mother. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's like, yes, we have a beautiful body and a beautiful ability to do that, but we deserve to be seen as more than just like vessels for children. Mm -hmm. Like we, anyway, so, but so protectionists thought they were very, or they were very against the ERA because they thought those protections would just go away. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't think that men would be protected just as well as women. I don't know why they mm -hmm. went backwards on that, but. Or, uh, or that women couldn't handle that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like also, you know, like when, like we, we do this every day, you know, we, yeah. we're pregnant, we go to work the whole time and, um, are healthy and, you know, and, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like so. that's exactly. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like, so the, a lot of the court cases they were going around, they overall, the messages that I've written on the side here, that women mm -hmm. were frail, they were vulnerable, they were weak. They weren't suited for the world or the workplace. They were more vulnerable to occupational diseases and work hazards, and they were emotionally and intellectually different. Like a lot of women were excluded from certain colleges or from college in general. Like those were laws that were implemented later in like the mm -hmm. 40s and 30s. Mm -hmm. So like there was just a lot of things Like women had like nothing. They were, in fact, they were on the same rank as children with as mm -hmm. far as their rights and their laws. So like, mm -hmm. it's just crazy to me. But, yeah. 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 Great. Okay. So Alice Paul is the one who wrote the Equal Rights Amendment. She was born a Quaker in 1885, and she helped she helped secure the passage of the 19th Amendment, which granted women to vote, but then she went on to write the Equal Rights Amendment in 1923. And what I think was interesting is Alice's mother, Tracy, was a suffragist and would take her to the suffrage meetings, which I, mm -hmm. I just think that's really fun. Mm -hmm. And Alice got a bachelor's degree in biology and a master's degree in sociology, and even went on to earn a PhD. So she's like, wow. Yeah, like yeah. really big. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So the Equal Rights Amendment went through at least four, if not five different versions of it. And the mm -hmm. first one, do you want to just read that? Yeah. Men and women have equal rights throughout the United States in every place subject to its jur jurisdiction. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Okay. So it's just saying men and women have equal rights through the United States. That's like, it's very, very simple. That's really all it's saying. Mm -hmm. And if you want to switch to the next one. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the, this is probably the version most people are familiar with. And she like reworked it. And this is the 1943 version. Do you want to go ahead and read this one as well? Yeah. Section one, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Section two, the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. Section three, this amendment shall take effect two years after the date of ratification. Yeah, so that's that's all it is. It's just mm -hmm. those little like equality of rights and they won't be denied on account of sex. Mm. Like it's the simplest thing. It's so simple. It's yeah. crazy how simple it is. Like how you like when I thought of it in the first place, I was thinking these big long you know, yeah. wordy thing. And it's just a few sentences. It's just so yeah. simple. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I think is really neat is that that same year, I think it's the same year, 1943, the Relief Society formally endorsed the ERA. So here you've got a little um, message to, to Senator Judge A. Murdoch and the General Relief Society President, Amy Brown Lyman, and the Young Women's General President, Lucy Grant Cannon, are saying, hey, we are we are endorsing this. We are, please sign off on this. Please let this, please help us pass this, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, that was really neat. Yeah. 
Okay, so another thing that I think is interesting is in 1950, this same version was going around Congress. And so he he said, hey, he was talking to the city presidency. He said, hey, don't get involved in this because mm-hmm. some of the women will want to just, it will be good for them. He says, he's like, stay out of it because there will be some of the women that think that it is a good thing. And so the leaders yeah. are saying, just let it go. Just let, like, let people vote however they want to vote. And yeah. I just really respected that. And that, and this was Clark, um, for those that are listening, just listening. Oh yeah. Sorry. Jay Ruben Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So women's rights in the early church. So I want to, so that was an overview of the Equal Rights Amendment um, in 1923, but I kind of want to go backwards a tiny bit mm-hmm. and show you like the church and then going forward a little bit until the seventies. So yeah, I'm excited for this part. <laughs> yeah. So in the early church, I, a lot of people don't know this, but in the, in the early church, women were allowed to use the priesthood outside of the temple. So mm-hmm. in the temple, if you've gone through, women have this power, they give blessings, they anoint, they, they perform just as well as men, as far as the priesthood. But they, and so back then they were given that outside of the temple, they could give blessings. One woman raised a guy from the dead. Like, mm-hmm. like they were going around everywhere. Like even Brigham Young had his wives take his carriage and go bless somebody and heal them to get better. Healing, so like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just all over yeah. the early church. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I can take this one. So I found it so interesting. This is something that I came upon as I was studying and looking into church history and what was said um, regarding women. Um, Cause I had heard, and I, I know a little bit about um, like women having the priesthood in the beginning of the church. And so it was intriguing to me. So I really looked into it and I found all these different articles, but this was so interesting to me. So um, the Relief Society um, priestess, priestess is what I call it, priestess keys given to the women by the prophet Joseph Smith on March 17th, 1842. So um, Joseph, you know, has the women gathered together. They're going to start this release society. Um, He brings them up to the, I think it's the top floor of the building and they're going to put together this release society. And um, while Joseph is there, this is what he says. And this is what happens. So on March 17th, 1842, Joseph Smith says, quote, I turn the key to you, meaning the Relief Society. So he's turning the key, the priesthood keys to the women. He gives it to them. Um, And then afterwards, you know, the women are healing people. They're going around. They're doing all the things that priests do, you know, with this, um, you know, that what we would think now the priests would do as far as like blessing, healing the sick, doing all the things um, in the temple, things like that. Um, So the men started to complain about the women using this priestess power that Joseph had given them. Um, And Joseph Smith stood up for them and responded, if the sisters should have faith to heal the sick, let all hold their tongues. So that's a direct quote um, or a quote that Joseph Smith said to the men that were complaining that the women had this power. Um, So that's 1842. So then years later in 1854, George A. Smith, he at the time was a church, was the church historian, though later he's part of the first presidency. Um, He was rewriting, like taking from the journals and things like this and making it into the church history, like writing the church history. And he took what Joseph said, the quote that Joseph said, I turned the key to the Relief Society. You know, he turned it over to the Relief Society. 
um, he changed the wording to, um, I now turn, I now turn the key in your behalf. Oh boy. Holy so, cow. so he changed the words. He changed the words and gave the power back to their priesthood. Like Joseph had never given it to the women. Oh my gosh. So that was just words that this, you know, George Smith decided to change when he was writing the history. And so, um, so that was interesting to me because according to Joseph Smith, he gave the priest priesthood priestess to the women of the Relief Society and all the women, therefore, within the church. Um, on October 1st, 1969, so this is almost a hundred years later, <laughs> in um general conference, right around the time all of this is happening, where you know the equals equal rights amendment and everything like this is going on. Um, so Joseph Fielding Smith is a prophet at the time. In a conference, um, he stands up and he he stopped the publication of women's voices in um he stopped the publication basically up until this time the Relief Society had their had their own money. And they printed their own magazine and um, would send it around. I actually have some um, oh, old wow. ones. I wish I would have brought them up here with me. But I have like the old Relief Society when it was just a Relief That's Society so that cool. sent them out. So they would send out. It was their own identity, like their own thing. Um, but he got up in general conference and basically was changing things and taking um, the Relief Society back and kind of putting it under the priesthood again. So um, he talked about that, but then he said, um, the prophet Joseph Smith, so the prophet Joseph Smith spoke of delivering the keys of the priesthood to the church and said that the faithful members of the Relief Society should receive them in connection with their husbands. So, we see this pattern of this same priesthood changing and being taken further and further away from the women as we go um, further and further in time. So 1842, Joseph Smith gave the priesthood to the Relief Society. 1854, George A. Smith um, rewrote the history and changed the words so um, the priesthood in the new wording was never given to the women. And then we have in 1969, um, Joseph um, Fielding Smith saying that um, the women don't even, it's not even that it's, they have to even go through their husbands to be able to even um, use that. So it, he disconnects it entirely from the female. The females within the church, the women I, within the church. I, I didn't realize any of that, but that's awful. That's so, that and it's just. I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, you go ahead first. <laughs> I was just gonna say that's just awful to white wash that out of the history. Like I've been reading um, Todd Compton's book in Sacred Loneliness, where it goes through Joseph's wives, and almost every other page, the women are using their priesthood. And like I grew up in the church, and I never heard anything about women having the priesthood. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about it either, and it just. This when I when I was studying this part of it made me so angry. I 
And I'm usually to the point in my deconstruction that I don't really get angry anymore. You know, I can read something and be like, oh, there's another thing. But this really made me angry because if we're going to, you know, use the rest the, you know, that Joseph Smith restored the gospel and he goes in, he gives the priesthood to the women, he stands up for them, he tells them to use it. And then we just have, as the time goes on and the church evolves, it starts smothering the women and confining them and taking things away and making them small and making their, taking away their voices, you know, by taking away their magazine. And then they take away their, um, their funds. They just take away all the funds and put them under the priesthood, you know, to um, be over the funds that they raised. It's just my heart as I read more and more and more about what was done to the women in the church. It just, it was so infuriating to me that even the prophet Joseph Smith, if you want to believe and you want to go back in history and read about everything, he gave it to the women. He gave it and he stood up for them. Mm -hmm. So who decided to take it away from us? Who yeah. was that, you know? And why, why was that done? And why did that get pushed under the rug and not told to any of us? And, you know, even not believing now, that is so wrong in so many ways. So this was very interesting to me to see the exact dates and how it just changes and changes and changes. Um, and it just is infuriating. So, yeah. anyways, that's my little... <laughs> I've heard people argue about the wording that Joseph did. They're like, well, like I turn the key to you. Like people say like, oh, it was like in behalf of like you were saying like how it was changed later. But like, even if Joseph didn't say those, like he said those exact words, like we have those in quotes, but like, if like, you can't argue this, but then how are you going to argue all the women who, who use that priesthood? Like, how are you going to, mm -hmm. how do you write away your logical way that these instances of these women performing these blessings? Like, doesn't make sense to me. Like you can't, he gave women the priesthood and yeah. then it was taken away. Like you said, smothering the women as yeah. time goes by. Yeah. He just, you just make us smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and less and less and less and less important. Yes. And you know, and it's just so, it just made me so angry. And this is multiple journals. So it's not like I'm just taking from one person, one journal, you know, there's m multiple places where you know, people are saying the women are doing this. Joseph is sticking up for them. And it continues for years and years and years and years. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, suppress them. Don't allow them to do anything. Um, make them small. Give them this and tell them this is what they are. And it's just, it's yeah. just hard. It's just hard to see. It is hard to have your eyes opened and you to actually see and then your heart just hurts for them. It just hurts for, I I guess what I could have been if things were different. Um, but then you can get into other things where, you know, in 1842, when he's given this, you know, priesthood power to the women and this Relief Society, you know, what he's doing um, in other areas um, yeah. with plural marriage and yeah. marrying kids, you know, 
14 year old girls and things like yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you know, are we just trying to keep the women busy while you can go make those plans? But yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to know, you know, it's hard to say how wrong it is when other things are so wrong too. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. But anyways, spend a lot of time on that slide, but that was very interesting to me. Okay. So um, even though Brigham Young was one of the ones that helped encourage, he encouraged the women to use their priesthood. It's, he still thought of them, at least as far as it looks like it, he thought of women as less than. And here he says in the journal of discourses, I think he says, there is a curse upon the woman that is not upon the man, namely that her whole affection shall be towards her husband and he shall rule over her. So <laughs> like, I don't, that just sounds, we are smaller. We are less than there's a curse on us. That's not on the man. And mm -hmm. we have someone that rules over us. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was comparing the dates. I'm like, how many, how much longer after George changed the wording was that done? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Two years later. Okay. So this was in, most of this list is from um, pedestals and podiums. She talks about the, the key attributes of true womanhood and they, mm -hmm. they want women to be pious and pure and domestic and submissive. Mm -hmm. And like, I want to ask you like, well, do you, do, does this, list seem familiar to you growing up in the church or being in the church? Oh yeah. It's still that when you yeah, say no, I feel like it's still, yeah, yeah. Like, it's for sure taught this in, especially in like young women's lessons and everything like that for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, yeah. And then I was as really, or a uh, young women's leader, like teaching the girls that they need to be these things. Like, yeah, like I it's did. just, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pious, pure, domestic, and submissive. That is that is your realm think, to live in. Yeah. I think the one that, what's the one that hits you the most, Julia? Submissive, I think. Me to too. Me, uh, yeah. Me like, too. like, I mean, you can be, you can still be pious. You can be godlike and be, and yeah. be a feminist. Like you can still yeah. be pure and be a feminist. Like, like domestic, I guess. I mean, you, that's your choice if you want to be a homemaker or yeah. whatever. Like, uh, but yeah. submissive, it's just like rubs me the wrong way. It's like, yeah. I have a voice too, and it needs to be heard. And yeah. 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 And there's nothing that screams not equality than that word. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know, but yeah, that's hard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's another quote from, this is Hebrew C. Kimball. And he says, I, I want to know what a good wife is to me, unless she will let me lead and guide and let me govern her by the word of God. When a wife is obedient to her husband, there is union, there is heaven. Like, I that. think this is so harmful. It's <laughs> so harmful. It is like, what good is a wife to me unless I can be in charge of her? Like, yeah. The thing is, is that I know multiple, multiple uh, marriages that have fallen apart because the wife was not these things. Like she did not, she was at the beginning, but then she's like found her voice yeah. <laughs> and found what, found what she wants to do and be. And then they were like, well, see you later. I'll just get yeah. another, I'll just get another one that's submissive, you know, and go that route. So, yeah. yeah. Another thing that I was thinking as you were talking is that, and I don't know if this is a, I don't know if this is a calculated on the church's part, but our brains um, don't finish developing until we're 25, 26. Mm -hmm. And the church encourages us to get married young, to, to start having kids. Oh, yeah. and so like the men, maybe, maybe this work, maybe this is more applicable to polygamists because they tend to marry women after that are younger, mm -hmm. um, whose brains are not fully developed. And so like, when you do that to a person, when you marry younger, your brain forms the way that they often, yeah. you know, 
the way that they want you to to be. And so when a woman sure. can find her voice and can be herself, <laughs> that's that's powerful. So yeah, yeah, just very damaging. No, yeah, thing. and I totally agree that that is for sure the reason why. Like yeah, for sure the reason why that it's it's planned and taught and and everything. Marry young, have lots of kids. Kind yeah, of, kind of tied in. You can't. That's really your purpose. Yeah, that's your yeah yeah that's yeah. hard. This is Orson Hyde, and there wasn't a date on this one, but I think it's 1857. And he described the order of heaven as placing a man in the front rank. Hence, he is the first to be addressed. Woman follows under the protection of his counsels and the superior strength of his army. Her desire should be unto her husband, and he should rule over her. Like, just again, that same rhetoric that the man's in charge, the man's in the front. Like, the church tells us yeah. that they're supposed to be side by side, but I don't ever see that anywhere in, in church. It's the man's the head of the house, so... Yeah. Um, well, it's even kind of in the proclamation. Um, I know they tried to squeeze in some words in there that, you know, make it seem like it's supposed to be equal, but then it's, you know, yeah. he has the priesthood and that's what they teach. And that's, that's what it is. And I yeah. really am so sick of, I, I hate that rule over her. I hate that. Yeah, I don't I hate, hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hate that. Okay. So this is another thing that I think is really interesting. So I think plural marriage does play a lot, does play a large part in women and their rights. Um, so ironically, plural marriage strengthened many Mormon women who had to learn to be independent and resourceful and sometimes supported their families for years while their husband attended to other families or served a series of proselyting missions. And so like there are stories of wives who had to, who had to make money, who had to sell things, who, who had to have their kids be like an extra parent to them. So like yes. women, women were able to branch out and like figure out that, Hey, I'm not just a domestic housewife. Like I can, run this business. I can make this money and I can be in charge of these things. So like they were able to do more, I think. Um, plural wives were often expected to earn their own keep. Yeah. As I said, and take full responsibility of rearing their children. Cause you know, like men like Brigham who have like 50, I don't remember how many, he had 50 wives and they have all their own children. So like he was yeah. not there very much. Mm -mm. And so, and so polygamous wives were sometimes the strongest proponents for women's rights, which I think is really interesting. Oh, there we go. Sorry. My yeah, computer so was this stuck is, for a sec. This is a quote that I just think is interesting. Um, they said, as long as the church practiced polygamy, the loyalty and support of the leading women was essential for survival. And so like, yeah, because these women are their wives and, you know, as far as the Mormon doctrine, in order to receive exaltation, you need more wives. So you need all these women, but these mm -hmm. women are also, also um, fighting for their rights. And so I, it kind of feels like, or I have a theory that the church didn't kind of stay out of women's rights because they were, their wives were happy. It made their yeah. wives happy to be able to vote and to be able to, to start mm -hmm. working. Like, like just stay out of it. Cause we need these women to be happy. <laughs> Our polygamous yeah. wives. Well, and when, yeah. And during polygamy, um, you might've said this cause I was um, responding to a comment, but, um, there, a lot of the women, even now have to have a job. Like the, yeah. if they're polygamous, um, most of the time there are, you know, one or two or even a few wives that work full time. And then some of the moms are the stay at home mom for all of mm -hmm. the kids. And that's kind of how, so equal rights, equal pay, equal things in a polygamous family would make sense. It would, yeah. it would be something that they, I think would fight for. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. 
Yeah, so these are just some of the women in church history that that are kind of like the our Susan B. Anthony's in the Mormon church. So Zina Prescindia Young Williams Card, holy cow, because all these families. Um, <laughs> Zina was the youngest daughter of Brigham Young and Zina, who was also one of Joseph's wives. Um, she was the first dean of women at BYU, and she fought on the national level for women's suffrage and the right to practice plural marriage. So again, she's a polygamist and fighting mm -hmm. for women's rights too. Mm -hmm. And then Amelia B. Wells was also one of the big proponents. She was the fifth generally society president for the church. She was the editor of the Women's Exponent, which is like the unofficial women's magazine for the church before the Relief Society magazine happened. Mm -hmm. She was she was doing that for 37 years, and she represented the state of Utah in both the National and American Women's Suffrage Conventions, and was president of the Utah Women's Suffrage Association. So like, mm -hmm. so like, yeah, big, yeah, yeah, big players, big players, yeah. So the Women's Exponent, as I mentioned, um, it first began in 1872, and it was eventually replaced by the Relief Society magazine in 1914. So they they have their they have their own publications that they're funding and that they're figuring out. Mm -hmm. So the women are totally in charge of this. Mm -hmm. And the the slogan, um, the master slogan for the women's exponent um, for 20 of the 27 years was the rights of women of Zion and the rights of the women of all nations, which I think mm -hmm. is really cool. Yeah, and that as, is cool. Yeah. And as early as the second edition, Amelia B. Wells that we just mentioned made women's rights a central concern through the editorials of the paper and by reprinting articles from other newspapers that um, were for women's rights. So I think that was, I, I thought that. that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, these are some, that. these are some examples from the newspaper that, that talk about this. Do you want to read one of these? Yeah. People fear the effect upon the family of women should vote and think. They think that the tenderness and sweetness of the family relation has something to do with weakness. Make mothers more and you make their children more. You will not make them coarse by giving them power. Is God coarse because he is infinite? That which the family needs more than anything else is a higher state of womanly development. And I so love this quote. Yeah, I love that. Like, yeah, like to me growing up, I was, you know, as a mother, um, yeah, I need to I need to be home. I need to do laundry. I need to mm -hmm. like cook and clean. But when my kid sees that, she's like, this is what I aspire to. Like she can only go so high. But when I'm like working and when I'm like, like having big dreams that I'm working for them, she mm -hmm. sees that and she's like, so. I just love that make mothers more and you make their children more. Like yeah. I have a bachelor's degree and I have it hanging on the wall. And so she can see that being like, I can go get my degree too. Like I don't have to settle mm -hmm. for less than, than what I can get. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's something. And even at the beginning of that statement, um, I love that too, because for me personally, I'm very kind and I'm sweet and I come off that way, <laughs> um, to people who meet me and, um, but I also, you know, for me, kindness isn't weakness. Right. So because I'm kind, don't think I'm weak. Yeah. You know, and I think that comes from finding your voice, standing up for yourself, knowing, you know, knowing what your potential is. And, you know, you can be, you can be kind, you can, you know, um, be a mother, You all these things that they're saying, but my daughters, I have four daughters and yes, we're kind. Yes. We're, you know, helpful. We're empathetic. We're all these things, but the camp girls are not weak, you know? So there's, there's strength in allowing women to have this open, expansive mind and to set that example for their children. I think it's so powerful and would make the world a hugely better place if we could allow 
if we cannot, you know, make women this small, these small humans. So, well, and I think it helps men too, because it's like tenderness and sweetness. We, we don't mm. think of those as masculine traits. We think right. of those as kind of being weak, like you were saying, but like men being able to have those things like helps them too. Like they can have more emotions than just anger and um, yeah, I don't know. Like, and I, and that's something I actually wanted to say at the beginning of this and failed to, but us doing this and us talking about equal rights um, and everything does not demean or diminish or, you know, bring down or anything towards men at all. That's not what we're here to do. That's not what we're saying or anything like that. We are, we're talking about, um, you know, uh, patriarchy, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about what's, you know, history, things like that, and changes that need to take place um, to hopefully, you know, have e equality for all. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but in no way are we trying to put men down in this podcast. So. Yeah, um, no, yeah, I agree. And I hope it doesn't come across the, I don't feel like it's yeah. coming across at all, but like, no, but yeah, giving women rights helps men too, because men. Yes, and we can talk about this more, like the protectionist clauses that or protectionist laws. Like we can give men protection too. Like we, it's not just for women. It can be we're all we all benefit from this. Right, 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 right. So here's another quote from the um, the exponent, the woman's exponent. Um, this is in 1880, and now the question arises: Is it right to let the women vote? I conclude it came from. I conclude it came from the unthinking part of society, those who have never weighed the subject. The scriptures say the man is with is not without the woman or the woman without the man and the Lord. And if created in the image of God, how could she be compatible without intelligence? Accordingly, she must possess this quality. Or did our father bequeath this gift to his sons only? If so, what kind of posterity will they raise? I object to this idea, realizing that we are beloved by our father equally to themselves unless they keep his commandments better. So I, I yeah. just like that one too, like women, like during this time, a lot of um, women couldn't go to, didn't have the same educational opportunities as men. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's another thing. And, and that's one of the things that these newspapers did was to educate women, to make them aware of things that was happening worldwide. It was, these are really important to women. So mm -hmm. yeah, how can she, how can she be like God if she's not intelligent and not learning? Yeah. It's hard for me to read some of these things sometimes when I see things like, and now the question arises, is it right to let women vote? Like, yeah. I'm like, you don't even have the right to tell me, yeah. to give me the right to vote. Like, I want it to be so equal that you don't think you have the power. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. give me the right to vote. I have the right. You don't have, like, you don't need to give it to me. I already have it. In yeah, here. I am equal. So it's just sometimes I'm like, oh, the words. Yeah, but well, that, that reminds me as you were speaking. Um, when the <laughs> I think it was when the Constitution was written. I think it was Ben Franklin's wife who said, mm -hmm. "Don't forget the women when you when you go and write this declaration, or go mm -hmm. and sign off on it." And they like deliberately kept women out of the declaration. Like, I don't know. I just yeah, yeah. It was a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> that's bummer. why we that's why we need these <laughs> amendments. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to go over plural marriage. This this little slide can just be a whole podcast, but like I wanted to talk about it because I feel like it's <laughs> We'll important. do it later. <laughs> yeah, you will do it later. So in 1890, October 6th, the first manifesto was presented to the membership um, saying that because of the Adam Tucker Act was passed, he's like, okay, you guys, we need to stop being polygamous. 
And then in 1904, Joseph F. Smith presented the Second Manifesto, which completely banned new plural marriages worldwide and threatened excommunication to those who participated in it. Because people weren't really taking that seriously because polygamy was so heavily, you cannot be saved unless you're a polygamist. Yeah. And so people didn't listen to the first manifesto because they're like, I don't know. But then also the leaders were giving mixed signals like, oh, you can still practice polygamy in, outside of the country or even in the country. But anyway, so the second manifesto happened. And then in 1905, there's just some problems that happened. So 1905, two of the um, apostles in the, in the Quorum of the Twelve resigned because they're like, no, we believe that polygamy was mm -hmm. a, is of God. And then in mm -hmm. 1911, John Taylor, who was one of those apostles, he still believed the church was true, but he was excommunicated for his belief that polygamy was still good and the church mm -hmm. had ended it. And then, yeah, the other... and I think, and I think this is where the FLDS um, break off. Oh, um, yeah. So they, I think they believe as the prophets go, it's John Taylor is the last one that's connected to the mainstream LDS church. Oh, okay. And then they start their own kind of prophets after that. So that's yeah. just an inter interesting fact there. Yeah, that is super interesting. And then the other apostle, um, Callie, I guess is how you say it. Um, he, his priesthood was suspended, but then he was later restored. His priesthood was restored. He was never excommunicated. Um, and then 1943, the church learned that one of their uh, 12 apostles, Elder Richard R. Lyman, had entered into a secret plural marriage and he was excommunicated just a few months later. And so like the church is really struggling in this early 1900s um, to get rid of polygamy. They're just like, we, we have to stop. Um, Isn't that so crazy that that was 1943? Like that doesn't yeah. seem that long no, ago it's, to me. It's really not at all. Yeah, yeah it's really it's not so long crazy. Long and then so around the same time, while the church is struggling to to get rid of polygamy, they re they remove the, sometime in here. I don't know exactly when the exact date is, but sometime they take the priesthood away from the women. Mm -hmm. And so throughout the 1920s, church leaders increasingly drew bolder lines between spiritual gifts and priesthood powers. With the clarification of the priesthood role came restrictions to the women's, women's sphere. Church leaders made it clear that women did not have the right to priesthood power. Further definition of priesthood, including healing, anointing with oil, etc., as exclusive functions of elders. So, like, like um, polygamy seems to go hand in hand with priesthood power, and then like, so they're getting rid of both. They're just so like as you said, they're like shrinking women more and more, mm -hmm. and like, yeah, taking more and more away. Yeah, it's yeah. just hard. To, it's hard to see. Yeah. Yeah. And so in 1946, um, Elder Joseph or President Joseph Fielding Smith said that he's reiterating again. He says, while the authorities of the church have ruled that it is permissible under certain conditions and with approval of the priesthood for sisters to wash and annoy other sisters, yet they feel it is far better for us to follow the plan of the Lord has given us, even though you just said that Joseph gave it to us. <laughs> but anyway, that the Lord has given us and send for the elders of the church to come and administer to the sick and the afflicted. But also he says the anoint other sisters, which isn't, they anointed everybody. Like they healed and blessed everybody. It wasn't, they were not restricted to sisters like they are right now today in the temple. So yeah. Like, Did, have, have you noticed or have you heard in the last few years, it's only been in the last couple, I would say actually two or so, where I've heard little things from people you know, giving talks here and there that they're starting to tell the women, oh, you, you have the priesthood. Like you, you can still, you can heal your children. Like if you were in your home and you didn't have any priesthood around and your child was sick, you can just, just lay your hands on their head and, you know, tell Christ to heal, you know, like you don't need the priesthood. That's fascinating. In those, I, you haven't heard that? I haven't heard that. So one okay. thing I, 
one thing I do, I have heard is I, I love D. Michael Quinn, the historian. Um, he was a Mormon historian and then they excommunicated him because mm-hmm. he released too much information that they didn't want him to release. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he was, he's of the opinion. And I think if we even like, it's even, you can see it traced in church history that he says that women are given the priesthood in the temple. And he mm-hmm. says, you, you don't have to have a special time where they give it to you. You just have it. And so he's saying like women today, like if you've gone through the temple, you have the priesthood. So you're welcome okay. to use it. You, they, you know, you have it. And so like, so that's, that's his, that's his mindset. Like you can just bless and, your kids, just bless your neighbor. Okay. So maybe, maybe people are picking up on that now yeah, maybe they are. Like, <laughs> and just saying, Hey, just telling themselves, you know, that they have it. And well, I mean, power, according more to Joseph, power to them. more power yeah, to them. Yeah. 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 So, yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so again, like with the practice of polygamy comes the companion of the women using the priesthood. And I think, I don't know much about the FLDS church, but I think their women can use the priesthood to some degree. I don't know if that's the case, but I think I remember D. Michael Quinn saying that, mm-hmm. that that's the price of having the priesthood is that you um, also live polygamy. So they, they had this. And then in 1980, polygamy was banned. And shortly after the rights of the priesthood were revoked. So women, again, they're just shrinking. And mm-hmm. like, and rather than growing women yeah they're just shrinking so as the yeah. church is moving the church is getting bigger the, the men are getting bigger but we're sort of disappearing almost yeah we're putting more and more and more into our place that they're yeah. choosing that they're choosing for us yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, this is another really interesting thing so if you google so this is about women speaking in general conference if you google like who is the first speaker in general conference who's the first woman it's lucy mack smith joseph smith's mother and she spoke in general conference in 1845, but this was unusual. She was speaking to the members before she requested to speak and she was speaking to them before they made their exodus to Utah. Mm-hmm. So that's just really unusual. But then in 1929, so, so a silence from women in all the general conferences and then 1929, October general conference, the three presidents of the auxiliaries of the Relief Society Young Men and uh, Primary, they spoke and they took up two pages of the 140 pages of the conference report. So like... Mm-hmm maybe 10, 15 minutes each. So, so not very mm-hmm. much. Yeah, and then the next year in 1930, in April and October general conference, the, the same auxiliary presidents also spoke and their talks took up three out of 204 pages. And then in October, it was three out of 140 pages. So, mm-hmm. so we're, we're barely hearing from the women at all. Mm-hmm. So like outside of those four examples of the twice in 1830, once in 1829 and then 1845, Women did not speak in general conference and their meetings that because really society was its own entity. Mm-hmm. So the, their meetings were not considered part of a general conference. So so that's it. Four times women spoke mm-hmm. in general conference. Wow. Yeah. In the in the early church. And you will mm-hmm. see that change. Mm-hmm. OK, so this is the church in the 1970s. So the Equal Rights Amendment was written in the 20 in 1923. But the 70s is when it gets really, really big. Mm-hmm. And so the birth of an ensign in 1971. So. Uh, beginning in June of 1970, the presidency of the church placed the funds of the Relief Society in their words where it belongs on the priesthood. So like you said, they're taking away all the mm-hmm. abilities of the Relief Society. Like, no, we're going to be in charge. We're going to take away all that. Yeah. And the Enzyme magazine replaced all other church periodicals, including the Relief Society magazine, silencing women's self-published voices. So, yeah, they're making yeah. them smaller again. And its very first issue, and this is a picture of it. Published in January 1971, President Joseph Fielding Smith warned that the forces of evil were attacking the family. And while he wasn't calling out the ERA specifically, he cautioned, do you spend as much time making your family and home successful as you do in pursuing social and professional success? 
Are you devoting your best creative energy to the most important unit in society, the family? Or is your relationship with your family merely a routine, unrewarding part of life? Parent and child must be willing to put family responsibilities first in order to achieve family exaltation. Like that's a lot of pressure to put yeah. on put on these women. Yeah, and I feel this is kind of the feel that I remember as a child within the church. Like this feeling of pressure and the mom staying home and that shift from you're bad if you work yeah. and that kind of thing starting to happen. I remember as a child. And so um, that that wording of that last one kind of hits me a little bit. Yeah. Dang. Okay. So this is in the same, in that same Ensign article. Um, there's a talk by President Monson, or well, he wasn't the president then. He was mm -hmm. an apostle. Mm -hmm. And it's called Liberation or Deception, or Women's Movement, excuse me, the Women's Movement, Liberation or Deception. Monson emphasized that every woman has been endowed by God with distinctive characteristics, gifts, and talents in order that she may fulfill a specific mission in the eternal plan. He went on to say, what the modernists, even the, liberation, the liberationists, fail to remember is that women, in addition to being persons, also belong to a sex, and that with the differences in a sex are associated important differences in function and behavior. So he's saying women are different than men. They are different. He ended by challenging the women to sustain their husbands, strengthen their homes, and serve their God, Reminding women that the husband is the head and that they were the help meet. I think help meet is it's very, from the scriptures. Yeah, but it's also in the temple. Like you, it's still in yes. there right now. Like that word is so belittling or demeaning. Yes. I don't know. I just I, I don't, would say belittling. I, I would yeah. I don't like that word. I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. And it, it, I think it says it in DNC 132 too. I'm trying, like, I have some things popping well, up I in think, my head. Well, 132 is all sorts of problems. I think he yeah. even refers to Emma as property. Like, I, like yes. I, she doesn't have rights in there at all. No. And then the law no. of Sarah, like, polygamy is just so messy. And the law of Sarah should yeah. mean, like, she could have veto power on who he marries, yeah. but she doesn't. So The law of Sarah is BS. It really is. <laughs> it's, it was never, never it's like used properly. It's yeah, like, yeah. just like a little, here, let's. Let's give him that, but we'll not actually ever give him that. We'll yeah. Like allow that not, to actually like, happen. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. We'll do that yeah. podcast later. Yeah. Plug yeah. Me. For sure. podcast coming up. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Let's see. All right. Okay. So this is General Conference of 1971. Um, this is, um, his name is Elder H. Burke Peterson of the Presiding Bishopric stated, one of the greatest tragedy, tragedies of our day is the confusion in the minds of some, which would cause mothers to go into the work to the marketplace. I, or I think he means like the workforce. Mm. He said it was better for moms to be home ironing clothes and baking cookies. That's a direct quote. than to be away, quote, learning, typing or shorthand to improve her job qualifications. Mm. So it's better to iron wow. and bake cookies than to go and educate yourself. Like I, to do anything for yourself. <laughs> yeah, like, and shaming women who have to go to work. Like, sometimes women have to go to work. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, just yeah. <laughs> it's hard. And so 1972, the ERA is passed in both the House and the Senate. And I forgot mm -hmm. to mention this earlier. Um, the In order for it to, to be passed, or in order for it to be totally ratified or put into our Constitution, it needs 38 states. And so right here, it's getting really big, and it's getting a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And the states are, are uh, it's working through, and people are, some of the states are ratifying. So, so mm -hmm. this is really big right now. 
So General Conference of 1973, so a couple of years later after the last quote, um, Ann Alden Tanner of the presidency stated, we hear so much about emancipation, independence, sexual liberation, birth control, abortion, and other insidious propaganda, belittling the role of motherhood, all of which is Satan's way of destroying women, the home, and the family, the basic unit of society. So mm-hmm. Satan's destroying women because he's trying to give them, oh, like, birth and some of these independent, independent. Yeah, like, like a, a bodily autonomy and like, I, yeah. I don't know, like, just to call it, that's a huge thing to call it Satan destroying women. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> okay. So there was a survey done, which I, this is really interesting to me in Utah. Yeah. Um, a new survey. They mm-hmm. said that 65% of Utah residents favored, were in favor of the ERA. And this was in 1974. That was, that's a lot of people. That's to me, that's a lot of people, yeah. especially in Utah. And yeah. so we also found that uh, 31.1% of LDS respondents supported the ERA. So that's even, that feels like even greater amount, like 63% of the Mormons supported this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was again, 1974. Yeah. So maybe that survey scared them into. I think it did into the next slides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the church spoke out against the ERA, but they did it through Barbara B. Smith, the 10th Relief Society president. So, I think they thought it would be better to have a woman speak out first. So they, mm-hmm. they put her like in the front line in the firing. I don't know how to, what to say. Yeah. I say that, but so they put her first and um, she gave a, an official statement against the array from the leadership of the church. Um, during a message given on December 13th, 1974, two weeks after this Utah survey that we just talked about, she stated mm-hmm. that the ERA is so broad that it is inadequate, inflexible and vague. So all encompassing that it is non-definitive. So the what well, I think it's like just like 30 something words. And they're like, this is mm-hmm. it's too vague. It's not gonna help you. And yeah. she says, the ERA is a confused step backward in time instead of a clear stride forward into the future. Mm-hmm. Again, the amendment is just giving women and men equal rights. That's all it is. Do you do you want to read this one? Yeah, this is from the Church News in January 1975. The Church News published an article decrying equal rights amendment as not only imperfect, but dangerous. It went on to denounce the ERA as unnecessary, uncertain, and undesirable, condemning it as a unisex law that fails to acknowledge the fact that men and women are different, made so by a divine creator. Each has his or her role. One is incomplete without the other. Yeah, so like dangerous, unnecessary, uncertain, undesirable. So like we just saw that it was desirable and the church has that survey, um, 63.1%, but also like dangerous, like, I guess, okay. So the, the fight, I think dangerous to their patriarchy. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I guess if you, if you want to say like, so like they put abortion, a lot of these things that they're putting in, um, don't like the giving women equal rights to men, that doesn't really say that women can have abortion on demand. That doesn't, so I, that could be a danger that they're talking about, but like, I, yeah, it's just unnecessary. Of course it's necessary because women have not been given equal rights. So, right. so it is necessary. Anyway, right. so like, yeah. Okay. So this is another thing that I think is super interesting. I didn't know this existed at all, but I just found it a few weeks ago. So in the church policies in 1975, um, there's a section called prayers and sacrament and priesthood meetings. And it says officially, the first presidency recommends that only those who bear the Melchizedek priesthood or the Aaronic priesthood 
be invited to offer the opening and closing prayers in sacrament, including fast fast offering or fast fast meetings, fast testimony meetings. So what that means is really? that women, yeah, so women were not allowed to pray in sacrament. So like, is that still in there? Do you know? No, I don't think so because women can pray now. But I didn't. I, know. I didn't look up. It's still on the when it website. changed. You can oh, wow. absolutely. Hmm. It's still sitting there. But yeah. like, I don't know when they allowed women to pray. But like, I've had people on my TikTok say like they they remember that they remember women not being able to pray. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, it's just crazy to me. Like yeah, that is. Or our prayers. Like we can't even say a prayer. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, like it's one thing to take our priesthood away, but like <laughs> telling us that we can't pray. Like mm -hmm. yeah, but you but you can bake cookies and yeah, and iron and, and iron. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Levina Fielding Anderson. Um, a lot of people know her. I think she's part of the September 6th. And um, I know her as she wrote a list of people in the church that were abusing people. Mm -hmm. And she just wanted the church to stop the abuse. And mm -hmm. she's still really active today, but the church excommunicated her and has not reinstated her. Um, right. but, I, but I didn't realize, but she's also, um, I guess you could call her a proponent for the ERA. I guess mm -hmm. we'll, re we'll talk about this, but mm -hmm. this happened in 1976. So she was one of the editors of the Enzyme magazine. And she wrote in one of the articles, she says, the church provides strong support for a woman who wants to be a mother. At the same time, some women feel undue pressure to have as many children as they can, at the same time holding up high standards of performance as a mother. So, so she's pointing out, yes, we have a lot of pressure on us. Um, mm -hmm. She goes on to say, even though a woman's most important contribution is in the home or family, it need not be her only contribution. I would imagine that the Lord would not give his approval with any great frequency but there will be situations and times when he does and will approve of a woman working outside the home. That seems mm -hmm. really progressive to me, but in a very small yeah. way, mm -hmm. like, I mean, the church is like really going heavy against the ERA. So this, so her, yeah. her even saying this in the enzyme feels kind of big to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. Not like women can work and we have other things to give besides just us being a mother. Yeah. Wow. So I just really like that. Okay. So in the same article of the enzyme or the same, not article, but in the same, Mm. magazine barbara <laughs> smith said the equal rights amendment is not the way so they're really pushing hard like they're yeah really they're just calling it straightforward now yeah, like in 1976 they're just saying it yeah. like they're not beating around the bush anymore okay yeah okay so at this point 35 states out remember only 38 have to ratify 38 35 states have ratified by 1977 so the church probably feels a lot of we have to get this killed we have to we have to stop this right now or this could we this could all be chaos mm -hmm. so that's where i'm guessing the church's mind is at so okay so the first presidency in 1977 they said that as the equal rights amendment issue is active in some states we suggest that you urge members of the church as citizens of this great nation to join others in efforts to defeat the era and so mm -hmm. um this woman right here that there's a picture of, her name is Phyllis Schlafly, and mm -hmm. she is one of the biggest um, people against the ERA. She, she's mm -hmm. got her stock ERA badge. And one thing that I thought was really interesting when I was reading this Pedestals and Podiums books is, is that the people, the biggest fighters against equal rights for women were women. And I think that's yeah. really interesting because like, we're, we're just trying to ask for equal rights, but the biggest... I guess the enemies of it are, are women. They're just mostly each other just scared. But yeah. Phyllis Schlafly um, was even getting her, she'd gotten her degrees. She was becoming a lawyer. She was in mm -hmm. law school while she was doing all this stuff. So she's, and her son had come out as gay later. And so like, she's got like, she's, 
I don't know what, like she just had it in her head that this was something that she wanted to grab hold of and, and fight against it. And anyway, so, but also I wanted to recommend there's this TV show that came out in mm-hmm. 2020 called Mrs. America mm-hmm. and Kate Blanchett plays Phyllis Schlafly. It's an mm-hmm. excellent, just everyone needs to go and watch it. And it's just so good. And again, there's a lot of women in here um, that are referenced in this TV show that I don't have time to reference here, but like, mm-hmm. um, I can't, um, for Dan, um, there's just a bunch of women that. Yeah. Just it was interesting her in that, TV show, like, um, throwing other women under the bus (laughs) as she pursued this. And so, yeah, it was, it was interesting to me to see that dynamic in it. Um, the pursuit of what they were doing. So, um, so they, and she, she, um, joined them. A lot of members joined with her with Phyllis Schlafly and getting and stopping the ERA and her Mm -hmm. little pamphlets go around a lot of the wards and stuff like that. So I thought that was really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Boyd K. Packer, I have a lot of quotes from him from this very specific um, Ensign article from March of 1977. He said, should the Equal Rights Amendment pass, it threatens to be chief among the problems which will which were intended to be solutions. So he's saying, you guys are going to cause more problems by having this amendment passed. Mm-hmm. And then here, some of these, I kind of want to read these because they're, they're just so crazy to me. Um, do you want to read some of these? Yeah, the, sure. One of the slides? Yeah. Uh, you do you want to do this one? Oh sure. Okay. Yeah. So this is the same thing. He says we cannot eliminate through any pattern of legislation or regulation the differences between men and women. There are basic things that a man needs that a woman does not need. There are things that a man feels that a woman never does feel. There are basic things that a woman needs that a man never needs. And there are things that a woman feels that a man never should never feels he should be. <laughs> Sorry, we never got not get right now. That a man never feels nor should he. These. These differences make women in basic needs literally opposite from men. A man, for instance, needs to feel protective and, yes, dominant, if you will, in leading his family. A woman needs to feel protected in the bearing of children and in nurturing of them. Like, I just, I don't like those. <laughs> like, like people should have the right to feel whatever they're feeling. Yeah. They should, like, he's limiting us. He's putting us in little boxes. And, he's like, li- women... Yeah, yeah, he's limiting everyone. everyone. He's limiting the men. Yeah. He's limiting the women. And I I hate how he uses the word needs. Yeah. A woman needs to fill. A yeah, man that, needs to protect. You know, yeah, I don't needs know. To feel just, protective and dominant. Like not every man feels that way. And some women feel that way. Some women want to protect. Mm-hmm. Like it's some, like, I don't know. And then like a woman needs to, I don't know. I just and then he tells men that they should not feel some things. Yeah. Like yeah. a man it never feels, nor should he. Like, like that. Are, yeah. <laughs> no, he, a man should feel whatever he's feeling. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then he should have the right to feel it and to express that. Yeah. Just like women should have the right to feel and express things too. Like, yeah, just, he's just, yeah. But anyway, you can go on the next slide. Yeah. Okay. So same same time. Um, we care about the family. We study the family. We pray over the family. We work for the stability of the family. We work to preserve and protect the institution of the family. We analyze the effect of every influence that comes along as it may ultimately change the way of strengthening or threaten by way of weakening the family. We have the lingering ominous suspicion that the proponents of the Equal Rights Amendment have paid little, if any, attention to the family at all. Wow. So, yeah. The reason I pulled this one out is like my first instinct is like the last podcast we did was about the 
the LGBTQ and like how, mm-hmm. like, like if they're good people, they're good parents, they're good couples, like mm-hmm. they're power powerhouses. Mm-hmm. So he's saying we care about the family and we study the family. Like we analyze the efforts, like, like the effect of every influence that comes along. Like if mm-hmm. that were true, the church would accept gay marriage. If that were right. true, the church would, would be so much more open than they, than they are. We, we care about right. the family. They would never have said, if that were true, they would never have had blacks and whites not be able to, like the interracial marriage, they would, like they said yeah. that was wrong. Yeah. They would never have done that. Like, yeah. so what, what he means is we care about the family the way we define it. Like we, that's yeah. women staying home, women, women bearing children and the men going off to work. Like that's mm-hmm. their definition of family. And yeah. the same culture, opposite gender. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, it totally is because if they studied the family and family studies, you know, any, anywhere you you can see that, like you can see what comes out of them, what comes out of these studies all over the world. And it's not what you're saying. So it, yeah. 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 So he, so the same article, he says, I am for protecting the rights of women to be a woman, a a feminine female woman, a wife and a mother. I am for protecting the rights of a man to be a man, a masculine male man, a husband and a father. So again, he's restricting both genders. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you have to be feminine. Like I know a lot of women in the church who aren't as feminine as, as maybe Phyllis Schlafly, but like, yeah. Yeah. I wish he would have stopped the sentence right after woman and man. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I've heard too, like even Christ doesn't exude a lot of masculine energy. He's a very calm, like you were like, he's yeah. kind, he's very sweet. Yes. Like, like he's yeah. not the typical masculine. That yeah. And he's Patrick only, and then he's not weak when he needs to not be weak. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Like he doesn't, or I guess say he's not weak, but you know, um, when he needs to be firm, um, yeah. to people than he is. But most of the time you can live in a state of, you know, calm and in the now, like, I don't know. I agree with you though. It's, I don't know. The more I look into everything, the the further and further I see, see them getting away from Christ and what yeah. he represented and what he was and what he taught Absolutely. Um, within the church. And it's, you, you know, they, they brought him back in a picture for like their image you know, for the church, oh, yeah, and it's like yeah, that. So, you know, yeah. they're trying to bring him back, to, like say his name more in conference and things like that. But as far as actually implementing his ways, they're mm-hmm. so far off. Yeah, they're so far yeah. off the mark. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so Packer, the reason I pulled this is because it's so not anything like you would see in the world. But mm-hmm. Packer gives reasons why you should be against the ERA in this same little article. He says women would be drafted in the war. That was actually a huge, um, everyone thought that everyone was afraid of that. Um, yeah. That women would be drafted, but he adds mm-hmm. on that there would be increased child abuse. If women had right, equal rights, he argued that children, the children would have rights that children, I don't know how he figured any of these out, but he argued that teens would have more, more intercourse with other teens. So going off and making love children would move away from their homes. Children would choose to work rather than be educated and children would be eligible to vote. As I said, I don't know where he's getting these, but like, I can see that he's, this sounds like very fear-based. Yeah. Saying, like the, the mother's worst fear is that their kids are going to run off and not want to come home or, yeah. or go off and have sex with people. Like, mm. like there's just, and then women being like, your daughter's being drafted in the war, like, and then child abuse. Like, I don't know where he's getting these other things. 
like the woman being drafted, that's valid. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't know where he's getting any of those. Yeah. But at the same time, it's going to be looked at, you know, if they have, you know, if they're the mom and they have, you know, children, you know, they have a baby, they're not going to be drafted in a war. Oh, right, right. You know what I mean? There's still things that it excludes you from that process. And I'm sure it wouldn't be, you know, the United States wouldn't be like, oh, sorry, you just had a baby, but you're gone. You know, you got to go fight in the war. You know, there's things that will. It's just weird that that was thrown in there. Right. Yeah. Increased child abuse. That doesn't make sense. So I don't, I don't know why having a woman having equal rights. And then I don't know where he's getting this child rights thing from like moving away and then working. Yeah. I don't know. Where no, I don't even, that doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. None of this makes sense to me other than the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in the first presidency, you made a statement in 1978. They said it's equal rights amendment. Um, the Equal Rights Amendment, deceptively, it's deceptively simple language, deals with practically every aspect of American life without considering the possible train of unnatural consequences which could result because of its very vagueness. Encouragement of those who seek a unisex society, an increase in the practice of homosexual and lesbian activities, and other concepts would come, which could alter the natural God-given relationships of men and women. So, like it's saying, one other reason to be against the ERA is that it would would make homosexual relationships legal, which as we discussed in our last podcast is that's not a bad thing. <laughs> like, right. um, so that's, I, I'm all for that. So yeah. 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 And so our studies. <laughs> yeah. And so our studies and the children, apparently the children are for it too, because that's how it became legal in all across the country. Yeah. Cause the children of these, these couples. So yeah. 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 Okay, so um, there was a group um, called Mormons for ERA, and this was in July of 1978. Sonia Johnson um, and about 20 others marched on Washington, D.C. under the banner Mormons for ERA. And she became an articulate spokeswoman for equality. And she is, if you're going to learn about the ERA and Mormons, you have to know Sonia, jo- Sonia Johnson. So uh-huh. she's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, this was just a few months later, um, same year in General Conference in 1978. Although not, this is one a clip that I found and put on my TikTok. Um, she was not talking about the ERA specifically. Sister Elaine Cannon, the Young Women's General President, stated, "Personal opinions may vary. Eternal eternal principles never do. When the prophet speaks, sisters, the debate is over." And so, to me, that's it sounds what like I was she's ta- saying, "Yeah, like stop, like all these women who are Mormons for ERA and marching on Washington, they're going against what the prophet's saying because they've been saying don't." Don't support ERA. So like that to me, just kind of because of the timing of it mm-hmm. feels like she's talking to these women. Oh, for sure. She is. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is kind of long, but, um, but she's such a cool person. So um, Sonia Johnson received national exposure in 1978. And in September of 1979, she gave a speech at a meeting with the American Psychological Association in New York. Sonia Johnson denounced the church's nationwide lobbying efforts to prevent the passage of ERA is immoral and illegal. So she's saying this, they shouldn't be getting involved. She, this is a direct quote from her. Um, Mormons, Mormon anti-ERA activity, though organized and directed by the hierarchy of the church from Salt Lake down through regional and local male leaders, is covert activity not openly done in the name of the church. Members are cautioned not to reveal that they are Mormons or organized by the church when they lobby, write letters, donate money, and pass out anti-ERA brochures door-to-door through whole states. Instead, they are directed to say that they are concerned citizens following the dictates of their individual consciousness. 
um, since they are, in fact, following the dictates of the prophet's conscience and would revise their own their own overnight if he were to revise his, nothing could be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. So, like, this reminds me a lot of the uh, Prop 8 with the church. The church tried to have yes. the members do all these things, and they tried mm-hmm. to hide the fact that they were funding, pushing all this money through. Yep. Um, this is the same thing. They, they're pushing all this through and they're telling women or these people to lie essentially mm-hmm. that they're not Mormons. I, I don't know. That just, that's so not what Christ would want. Like, no, yeah, no, I just did an interview with someone, um, just a couple of weeks ago and she remembers being, um, handed the pamphlets told not to say that she was, um, LDS just concerned citizen and told what houses and like mapped out where she was supposed to put the, you know, the little flyers on the doors, things like that. And, um, so it's just interesting. Another cool thing that, um, Sonia Johnson this year, um, Waka, it's like, um, women of a certain age is the group Waka. Uh So, um, after you're 40 years old, or older Exmo, you can join Waka. So this group of like older women, they're like bad A, but they, they're so cool. But they had Sonia Johnson come and speak to them. And it was before I found out about them and joined, but um, she came and spoke to them. So I asked the little group, like what they remember from that night with her. And she, they all are saying she's not just a feminist, like she's a radical feminist. Yes. Like she's saying, you know, like tell, like tell your daughters to like stand up in sacrament. Like when they ask for, you know, they need some more people to pass the sacrament, have your daughter stand up and go up there and sit down. Like they're going to pass the sacrament, you know? And they just said that she, like, they all left, like feeling so empowered and strong and uh, they all of them said how amazing it was. So, so thank cool. you, Sonia, for doing that. Um, I hope that I can hear her one day speak. But that would be so. But cool. wow, right? To I be... heard a story. Yeah, I heard a story of, in one of the podcasts I listened to that Sonia Johnson mm-hmm. had her ERA badge and she was up playing the organ, and then half the war <laughs> was was wearing stop ERA badges. So like, I just thought that was really fun. Like that. she's the I only one. That. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I believe it. I believe yeah, yeah. that she would. I believe that she would. She totally so, would. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is, um, this is Howard W. Hunter. Do you want to read this one? Yeah. Um, so this is 1979. I suppose you would say it is a man's viewpoint to throw a burden upon a woman to maintain the stability and the sweetness of a marriage, but this seems to be her divine nature. She has a superior spirituality in the marriage relationship and the opportunity to encourage, uplift, teach, and be the one who sets the example in the family for righteous living. When women come to the point of realizing that it is more important to be superior than to be equal, They will find the real job in living those principles that the Lord set out in his divine plan. Thank you. So I thought that was really interesting because he's saying women are superior, but stop asking for equal rights. That's what I'm hearing anyway. Like, (laughs) if you're superior, stop asking us to treat you evilly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just crazy to me. Like, yeah, well, that's I I hear this kind of talk all the time, uh, all the time. And it's, you know, they butter you up. And then they squish you. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's you know? really what this feels like. Like you're yeah. so much better than us. Stop oh, asking. Like, stop. It happens yeah. so often, so often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the thing about Sonia Johnson is that she was excommunicated on December 5th of 1979, just because of her, because of what she was doing mm-hmm. um, with the ERA. So I thought that was crazy. Yeah. Um, so um, right after that, the church came out with this little gray booklet um, or pamphlet. It's, it's the size of a book. Um, it's called The Church and the Proposed Equal Rights Amendment, A Moral Issue. And it says in there, the ERA is a serious moral issue and its passage could significantly affect the standards of right and wrong that are vital to us as a religious people. And again, a lot of the points that they bring out, and we'll talk about those later, but a lot of them just aren't valid or a lot of them have their, they have nothing to do with equal rights because like, like we've seen like homosexual marriages are legal right now. Like abortion is a state by state issue. Yeah. So like having, giving women equal rights doesn't change those at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is General Conference in October of eighteen of nineteen eighty. Excuse me. This is Elder Ezra Taft Benson. Um, he iterated a mother's place in the, is in the home. He says beguiling voices in the world cry out to for alternative lifestyles for women. For women, they maintain that some women are better suited for careers than for marriages and motherhood. These individuals spread their discontent by propaganda that here are more exciting that there that there are more exciting and self fulfilling roles for women than homemaking. So he's shaming. <laughs> Like you guys belong in the home, like stop looking for careers. That's, that's what I'm hearing anyway. Like shame yeah. women who. Well, a mother's like, place is in the home. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the church says, um, the church, the, in the church, there is full equality between man and woman. This is, this is what I mean. <laughs> this is what I mean by Butter- double talk yeah. all the time. Cause then they can always go back and say, oh, but we always said. In the church, yeah. we are men and women we, are we can't always even pray. equal. Like, like we, you know, no, we said it though. Remember, like they'll pull it up. Oh, look, <laughs> we said it. We said yeah, it. Yeah, you you said it, but you didn't teach it. You didn't show it. You didn't yeah. like tell people. You know, lead by example. You didn't do yeah, any of those things. But you can yeah. pull up little words that you said one time in general conference in the middle of a talk that, you know, everyone had been listening already for 16 hours, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, it's anyway. like the law of Sarah. We're going to say this, but it means nothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the law of freaking Sarah over yeah, and over yeah. and over and over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is one I really wanted to go over. So the, the church, like, I think they just kind of just, they just kind of pushed all, all of elder, elder Packer's, reasons away. And so they had their own reasons to be against the ERA. <laughs> and so they said that abortion would be on demand. Um, and somebody, I don't remember who said this, but they said until I, and I agree with this until women have the right to an abortion, they do not benefit from the equal rights amendment. Like I, I don't think a woman has full rights over her body until she has the right to an abortion. And like, that's a whole different thing that we could talk about, but yeah. um, I am. Pro well, I think that, I think that makes sense. You know, if you're yeah. equal, you know, have full rights over. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's would... no rights that restrict men with their bodies. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, to the, they fear that it, um, passing the ERA would legalize lesbian and homosexual marriages. Um, they also say as a result um, uh, would be that children brought to such marriages by either partner or adoption um, by the couple could legally be raised in a homosexual home as if that's a bad thing. Like, but yeah. also that doesn't mean anything because in 2015 it became legal anyway. So that doesn't mean yeah. anything. Yeah. It's and so then, interesting that they're pulling all of these things that 
can be changed by other laws. Like this, yeah, this I, has nothing to do with equality. Yeah, this, so, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. And so another concern um, is the military draft. They fear that mixed that, that because of the equal rights, men and women would live together in the military. And that would be that would cause an increase of sexual abuse. And they fear that women would be killed in, or wounded in combat. But the church ironically points out that already Congress has the power to draft women. But then mm -hmm. other times, um, in other cases, it says that, that the draft was um, unconstitutional. So like, they kind of admit that the ERA wouldn't really change this because Congress already has the power, but also like they wouldn't draft women. Like you said, there's certain laws mm -hmm. that restrict women from being drafted. So mm -hmm. that's really not, that really doesn't have anything to do with the ERA. So yeah. Yeah. And then another one was they, they fear that it would um, eliminate legal responsibilities for both spouses. The husband would not be responsible for wife's medical bills. Husband would not be legally obliged to pay child support. Married women would have no legal guarantee of financial support. And they feared that there would be an increased social security tax. So like, I don't again, understand. I, don't... I Yeah. I don't understand the medical bills because yeah, it doesn't matter right now if the woman's the breadwinner or the man's a breadwinner. Yeah. It's who you take whatever insurance works best for your family. Yeah. Like, and that's a and, marriage thing. Like that's not, yeah, that's a marriage that's not thing. Rights. Like no. if I marry my girlfriend, we're going to have these same kind of like, we're going to take yeah. care of each other legally. Like we have to, yeah. And like whatever house we buy is like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand why they're thinking. I don't I, know. I, yeah. I don't know. I would um, hope that they would be smarter than this, I guess is what my mind is yeah, saying. Like, but the, the church is, not. has a lot of lawyers in it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to say too, is that, um, the, the people who are fighting for equal rights, uh, they, they, a lot of the, that they were doing were it was guesswork. They didn't really know mm -hmm. what would happen if the ERA was right. passed. So they, right. so they were kind of guessing, but also the, the ones against ERA are like really guessing. And like those, their arguments don't like here. I don't, a lot of this doesn't make sense to me, mm -hmm. like why they would think. Yeah. Um, another fear that they had is that they of uh, the male female integrated apartments at BYU, and they also feared that there would be a single sex public bathrooms, and so like which I don't think is a huge deal because like at home you use the same bathroom, like in other small places you use the same bathroom, like I don't, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I don't think the equal rights has anything to do with bathrooms. Like, like you have the right to to a bathroom. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why having <laughs> equal rights would change that, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So opposing the amendment, uh, March, 1980, since the first presidency believes that basic freedoms pertain to the family and society, the society's moral climate will be eroded. If the ERA is passed, the church has a moral responsibility validated by history and doctrine to oppose the amendment. I pulled this out because of that, that little phrase validated by history and doctrine to oppose the amendment. I just thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like where, in our doctrine, doesn't it say that God sees us all equally? I guess mm -hmm. it also says that women are help me. I don't know. Yeah. But then the history, like you were saying, like women had women had more power in polygamous relationships most of the yeah. time. And they well, had it just, the priesthood. I guess it depends on, you know, what time of Mormon history we're talking yeah, about or, or what doctrine <laughs> are we talking about? Like the doctrine before we changed the word? Exactly. Yeah, or so. the real doctrine that was given to the women by Joseph Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? So, yeah. You know, so that's why I pulled that one out. So, 
Yeah. What are we talking about here? (laughs) Which one are we talking about? Yeah. Okay. So this is a, this is an idea that we were talking about earlier. This is from Sonia Johnson's book from housewife to heretic. I have not read it yet, but I'm really excited to read Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. She says, as this rhetoric becomes more and more elevated on the one hand, on the other, in the real world where women actually experience their lives, (laughs) the lid of oppression is descending at the same rate that the rhetoric is ascending. The language is a deliberate attempt to distract women from noticing what is really happening to them in their lives. Is mm-hmm. it, it is a deliberate attempt to manipulate our per- perceptions so we will believe what it benefits men to have us believe. Agree. Yeah, like we will tell you that you're equal so that you're distracted by the fact that you're not equal. We will tell you you're superior so you don't even care about being equal. Exactly. He you know, that. like, yeah. Like it, it's true. It's true. Well, and then if you ask women in the church, are women treated equally in the Mormon church? They'll probably say yes, because like we're, we're kept so busy with the children and with, with the callings callings that, mm -hmm. that we, that we don't notice. And I've had a lot of women, I've heard women say that they don't want the priesthood because that's more responsibility. Like we've got to raise the kids and we've got to do the housework that we having the priesthood is just one more thing on our list. Like we don't want it, but like, Anyway, just distraction from... But that's not an equal household, if that's what's happening. You know, (laughs) like, you know, if you were given the priesthood, then, you know, he can, he can fix dinner. He can take the, you know, kids while you go and did your priesthood responsibilities. Like, that's equality. (laughs) Like, not, not, yeah, I just, it's hard. Yeah, the church wants to say it's equal (laughs) because it's, I don't know. It's not, and... It's fine if that's what you choose. Of course, yeah. But it's, but that's equality is having the choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you take away that choice and you're told what to do, that's not equality. Yeah. So, you know, if you choose it, fine, great. I love all my friends that have chosen that and they seem happy and that's great. And that works for them and their family. And I have no, you know, nothing but love and support and happiness to say about them. And my friends that work full time and also have kids and supportive husbands and, um, you know, like mine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, you know, he, my husband's downstairs making dinner for our family because we were doing this podcast right before dinner. And, you know, he does the laundry. He, you know, when I'm working, he does other stuff. That's equality. That's Mm -hmm. a good marriage. That's seeing what needs to be done and just helping out because you love your family and you respect each other and you are each other's cheerleaders. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's equality. It's not, you know, telling you, no, you can't have something because you have all these other responsibilities. I've told you that you have. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, it's just hard. And that's, I'm going to repeat that after every slide. I think I've said yeah. that after every slide. It's just hard. It's just yeah. hard to read this and know. Yeah. So. Okay. So I want to talk about the church today with the Equal Rights mm-hmm. Amendment. Mm-hmm. Kind of go over, at least it's not today, but it's like the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. A couple decades. Okay. One the the church will say emphatically, women have spoken regularly in general sessions of general conference from 1984 to the present. Like that's not very long. Like <laughs> it's like 30 something years. Like no, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so this is a, these are, most of these are from Miston Sunday School. The web, it's a really good website. And it's just mm -hmm. showing you the difference in the men's speakers and the women, women speakers. Mm -hmm. So in October of 2020, um, women spoke for 50 minutes and the men spoke for 415 minutes. There were five female speakers and 29 male speakers. So there's a huge difference. We're not hearing women very much. Huge. Yeah. And then April oh, of 2021. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes. Women got to speak for 20 minutes in April wow. of last year. Mm. And men got to speak for 419 minutes. There were two women speakers and 33 male speakers. Why? So, why in 2021? Yeah. Is that? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. They each got a 10 minute talk. Yeah. Two women. Two women. Yeah. That's frustrating. Okay. Mm -hmm. So October of last year, um, women spoke for 40 minutes. Men spoke for 374 minutes. There were four female speakers and 35 male speakers. These are their images here. So if you guys are listening, this, you can just see it so clearly. When you see when the, you see the images, it hits you harder. Yeah. I think. I think for these, when I was going through the slides, I was like, oh yeah, that hit. Yeah. 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 And so they're not pictures for these ones because um, I don't know if somebody's still manning the website, but. In April of this year, there were five female speakers because of the women's session that happens, like, I guess, every other year now, I guess. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then there was 31 male speakers. So so it's a little bit more because of the women's um, Saturday evening. Anyway, October, there were four female speakers and 31 male speakers. So, again, there's a huge. Why? why? Not getting better. <laughs> it's not getting better. <laughs> not getting better in all the years that we just yeah. showed. And I showed this picture because it's just seeing it like makes a difference. This yeah. is a picture of all the men with their callings and the, in the higher ups in the church, the general authorities. And then the women, there's, there's mm -hmm. nine women. Yeah. yeah. We're just, we're very absent from the leadership of the church. Yeah. And even these nine women, they're at the very bottom of this pyramid. Mm -hmm. So like even those nine women above them, yeah. <laughs> as their priesthood authority are there's like one, two, three, four, five, six before they even get to the prophet, yeah, you know, like very... that are in this little pyramid that trickles down to where they are. Yeah. So, uh, or where women are within the church. So um, one thing that I think is interesting is that women, we could use the priesthood back in the early days of the church, but women never held office. And that's mm -hmm. one thing that D Michael Quinn points out too. But I wonder I, I wonder if they took a, the priesthood away from women because they were afraid that women would ask for offices like this. Like, because there's no well, reason yeah. why women couldn't serve as the bishop or women couldn't serve as one of the 70. Or Anyways, the prophet. Wanted, or the prophet. <laughs> so I, I just wonder if that's why they took it, took it away. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm positive on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, do you want to read this one? Yes, this, I don't like this quote. Okay, <laughs> this is Elaine Dalton in 2013. So um, young women, you will be the ones who will provide the example of virtuous womanhood and motherhood. You will continue to be virtuous, lovely, praiseworthy, and of good report. You will also be the ones who provide the example of family life in a time when families are under attack, being redefined, and disintegrating disintegrating oh sorry and disintegrating this is the sentence that i don't like yeah you will well the most you will understand your roles and your responsibilities and thus will see no need to lobby for rights uh, yeah 
I hate, I do not like that either. Like, and I have the audio of this on my TikTok too. And it's just like, uh, but also like, she's like telling you, you will continue to be virtuous. You will be, continue to be lovely. You will continue to be praiseworthy and of good report. Like she's telling mm-hmm. you, this is what, this is your sphere to live in as a woman. Mm-hmm. Like you will provide and be the example for your family and also don't lobby for rights. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's out of, uh, cause it's outside of your roles and your responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. To lobby for equal rights. That's not. Yeah. yeah. And that, I don't know if uh, the young women's theme that you repeated was all those words. Does that ring a bell? The, oh, I don't remember. Virtuous, virtuous lovely, lovely of good reporter, praiseworthy, we seek after these things. things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was in the young women's theme forever, yeah. those words. So, okay. Okay. So this is M. Russell Ballard in the same year. Now, sisters, while your input is significant and welcomed and effective counsels, you need to be careful not to assume a role that is not yours. We don't want to step, step on any patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. Remember, you're on the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> so this is something that I think is also really fascinating. So this is April of 2013. After 183 years, Jean Stevens was the first woman to pray in general conference. Mm-hmm. Like, it took us that long. <laughs> to have women pray 183 years yeah that's crazy to me and so when women have only been speaking for like 80 or like 38 years or something like that less than 40 years in general conference yeah wow yeah um so the in the priestess session in october of 2013 so same timeline Mm -hmm. um as 130 women stood outside of the tabernacle on saturday afternoon this is from an article from the salt lake tribune um, they were rejected in their bid to secure tickets for the all-male priesthood session in the nearby conference center. Dozens of boys and men streamed inside and picked to pick up the last-minute tickets for the meeting. And like here we have a picture. There's Kate Kelly in the background, and they're talking mm-hmm. to the women. So these women are trying to get into the session, the priesthood session. Men can go to the, the women's conferences, as far as I understand. I've seen mm-hmm. men in the audience before, but women That's cannot go. Every time. Yeah. Every time. But women cannot go to these sessions. Mm-hmm. And also one thing, as I was counting up how, how many speakers we had in the women's conference, there was like as many men talking as there were women. And like, I thought that was really interesting. Like, can we speak, can we hear from the women, the whole conference? Do we mm-hmm. have to have these? When men- it, when it is specifically the women's conference, yeah, when it's we're still like, listening to the men. We're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I was on my mission when this happened, I served in Salt Lake mm-hmm. and in that area, I was on Temple square with an investigator. Mm. seeing conference and like I remember seeing all these women here like trying to get in they were there I think most of the day waiting Mm. for this this session to happen so that was really interesting yeah I remember this time too and I remember thinking why are they doing like why are women doing that I'm like why what do they need why do they need the priesthood like we are don't you already have enough to do in this religion like that I remember being like oh my goodness yeah. Like, and, yeah. and now I'm like, oh, you go, you go, yeah. you know, yeah. like you already had it. You had it. Exactly. Joseph Smith gave it to you. Yeah. And there's so. a, I, I'm pretty sure it's by ordained women, but there's a PDF document. If you guys are interested where um, ordained women pull out a lot of these instances where they give women the priesthood and women use the priesthood mm-hmm. and then it's taken away. So like yeah. there's a PDF out there that's got all that information on there. So it's really neat. Ooh, I have a question. I wonder if someone, I don't know if someone's listening that knows this, or maybe you do, Julia, but you know how they give the priesthood power, the priesthood to women in the temple to do the washing and anointing mm-hmm. when, when they're taken out of that calling, do they take the priesthood away? 
Oh, that's real. I don't know, but I have cousins who have worked in the temple. I should ask them if they. If yeah, they like, that. is there a ceremony where they like untake it from like, them? <laughs> I don't. Like, I I don't expect they do. Like, and I know, like, kind of going along with that, women with the second anointing, or I mean, with the second anointing, part of it mm -hmm. is that the women um, give a blessing to their husbands, and so like they're using the priesthood, like, and then she washes his feet too, like, mm -hmm. like. And I don't think all these women have been temple workers. Like, and I don't think that they just give them the priesthood and take it away that same day. Like I, I would imagine that they just have it like, yeah, but that's a really interesting question. I'd be really interested to know that to the answer to that. So, yeah, I'm interested too. Yeah. So if anyone yeah. knows, message me, let me know, <laughs> let me know how that is. Okay. So the next one, the next priesthood session, the next year in April of 2014, ordained women marched again on temple square. Um, seeking admission to the priesthood general session of conference. And this picture here is of Kate Kelly, and she's holding up two tickets to the priesthood session, and they would not, they still would not let her in. Mm. Like, which is funny to me because, like, you can watch it on broadcast, like, any woman can watch it and any woman can read about it. So, why exclude us from being in the presence of of these apostles and prophets? Like, yeah. that, I don't, I don't know why, what the point Especially of that there's is. tickets. Yeah, she's you know got a I mean? ticket. She has a seat. Like, I don't know. I don't know either. Do you want to read this one? Yeah. In general conference, October 2022. So this year, Tracy W. Browning became the first black woman to speak in general conference. She had been called to the primary general presidency earlier that same year. I watched conference. Like I still watch conference, even though I'm, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not active in church, but like, I, mm -hmm. it was really exciting to see her get up yeah. and speak. I was like, we've never had a black woman speak before. Yeah, and that was a big part of the ERA was trying to get women mm -hmm. like lesbians equal rights, black women equal rights. It was mm -hmm. like trying to encompass everyone, all mm -hmm. women. Yeah. So like, like why, why, why in 2022? Why did it take so long? Why did it take us so long? Yeah. yeah. Why did it take so long? Yeah. Okay. So um, as an update in 2022, 38 states, the Virginia became the 38th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. 2020. Um, Oh, in 2020, sorry. In 2020, the, they finally got all 38 states, but it has not been put into the constitution. And I think it's because of the timeline because originally it had been the seven years, they added on three years. And then, so it's, that was a long, that was an 82, I think was the last yeah. time. Mm -hmm. So now it's 2022. Mm -hmm. So I think they're trying to figure out, and then there are some states that have, is the word rescinded, they've taken back their ratification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's still, I don't think that stands, but some of them might have a case for that. But that's where the ERA is standing right now is that it has been ratified by 38 states. But uh, this is what is so interesting to me is like right now, mm -hmm. right now, this is still not in law. Well, like, and then right, a lot of women, a lot of women don't know that we don't have equal rights yet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you know that? <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. I learned so much because this was, um, you know, you, you had, I guess it was two years from the time they got 38 states, they got 38 states. Um, and so now it's been two years, so it should be written into law at mm -hmm. this time. Yeah. But they had that weird date, extension date of yeah. 1982. But in the amendment itself, there's no restriction. There's no right. date. And so they're saying right now that they should be able to just write it into law because as of right now, it it's met all of its criteria. So exactly. it's, you know, it's ratified. So I'm not, I tried to like look into it. I tried to figure out why, why Biden isn't 
just having this written into law or what's holding it up at this time? I know there's a couple states that have put in to have it looked at to just have it, you know, done and have it written into um, as an amendment. But I just, I, I'm, I still don't understand fully. I guess I, I still either. need to like be. I've still, I've still, I've, I've been trying to research that too. I don't I know. know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I've, I'm trying to educate myself. So if someone knows better um, or can teach us why, yeah. why it's not. And I don't know if it's just, they have to figure out the extension or if that yeah. was really in place or not, or what's going on, but this should be written into law yeah, at this absolutely. time. And it's not, it's being held and yeah. it's frustrating. That's frustrating to me. And I'm not sure why or what to do. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, Find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. So with this last slide, and this is published, this is an article from the Salt Lake Tribune published in 2019. The church announces it's still opposed to the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, so like they still oppose it, like, which is surprising to me because a lot of their issues have just gone away. Like abortion is a state yeah. thing. I don't know if that, I don't think that would change. Um, as, um, homosexual marriages, same-sex marriages are legal. Like the draft, I, like I think in some ways, some places it's just done away with because it's unconstitutional. Like I don't, I don't know why they're still fighting against it. I don't know. I don't understand that. So, yeah, I don't understand either because of all those four things, four or five that were on that last slide that they said they had a problem with have already been either, you know, um, yeah, like fixed I, I with other laws already mm -hmm. um, or just silly now. Like, yeah. like, you know, that wouldn't happen. Just, just if women got <laughs> equal rights. Like if they had equal rights, that child abuse wouldn't like oh, yeah, I did that, like some of the things sense. just don't make sense to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. This is like a weird, a weird podcast because you come to the end and I wish there was like, yeah, there's and, no and <laughs> next month they're going to write it yeah. into the, you know, into the constitution as an amendment. Yeah, that's, but I wasn't trying to end this. Cause I was like, I don't like the, the, it still has not been ratified. It hasn't been put into our constitution and the church is still opposed to it. So like, that's where, that's where this podcast ends. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't understand why on either of those cases. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but you're here, you know, um, maybe you're more educated than you were before you started the podcast. You know, maybe we can look into it, start to ask questions to mm -hmm. um, the people we put into office, see what's going on, see if we can just get this done. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really sure. frustrates me that the last word that we can find from the LDS churches, though, that they oppose equal rights amendment still. Yeah. That that's frustrating to me that they mm -hmm. wouldn't have enough knowledge now um in twenty almost twenty twenty-three yeah. to be able to, you know, calm their fears that they put out into yeah, the Mormon. That's a good people. way to put it, to calm your fears. Cause like that fear is really what drove these stop the women yeah. from, from stopping the the equal rights amendment. So and also the it, the equal rights got big press in the 70s and then it just sort of went away after like is it the 35 states had ratified and then then years and years went by before the other before we got the 38 states mm -hmm. so like it just sort of lost momentum i guess and we just it hasn't been in the light like like mm -hmm. i said or like we said is women don't even realize that they don't have equal rights so right yeah. well and now maybe with roe v wade and what happened there that this will be brought back to the front 
That's true. And maybe, and, yeah. and maybe this will ha- make that push. Yeah. yeah that might help that. I don't yeah. know. I guess we'll see. You know, we'll see where this goes. We're all in this together um, yeah. right now. So, um, so thank you, Julia. Like yeah. all the time and effort that Julia puts into these podcasts. Are I learned so much. So even like freaking like the amazing. Sunday school, I was like, if <laughs> yeah. you guys don't get anything, I sure got a lot out of this. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, me too. I'm always like, it's like um, a gift every time Julia send, sends me her file or her slides <laughs> for the podcast. I'm like, ooh, when are you sending them, Julia? When are you sending them? Because I do my own research. But man, when I get the slides from Julia, they're like stinking amazing. They're so good. So thank you so much, yeah. Julia, for all your time of and course, effort yeah. and everything you put into this. I am so excited to continue these with you. So watch for Julia being here the last Tuesday of every month. Um, we'll try and put out um, the subject of the podcast. Um, I'm going to try to at least a week or so in advance because these ones I would love the live interaction. Mm-hmm. I love trying to answer the questions that I see pop up and um, they're just fun for me. I love these live ones. Hopefully in some podcasts coming up, we can have some call-ins. Um, oh yeah, that'd be cool. We can have people ask questions though. We're not, you know, historians or we're not educated um, to the degree of a lot of people. We will try our hardest to um, either find your answer from someone who is more knowledgeable or we can um just get your opinion or just have a discussion i love just having discussions with people yeah yeah. um and learning from them so we'll we'll look into that and and get some of those podcasts going as we go into um church history you know and start talking about i know the polygamy podcast is going to be a hot topic Mm -hmm. and things like that as we go back through history and church um church claims so Mm -hmm. um truth claims so Anyways, thank you everyone for being here with us today on a Truth Be Told podcast, and we will see you next Tuesday. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye, guys.